1: Hey, House of Hardcore listeners, the House of Hardcore podcast is one of the many podcasts here on the Gas Digital Network. Gas Digital has a massive on-demand library of thousands of hours of your favorite podcasts and shows, all in full HD, ad-free, and uncensored. As a Gas Digital member, you get a unique user profile, access to the new live chat during a show's premiere, and all the newest full-length episodes of your favorite Gas Digital shows days before they come available to the public. Sign up to GasDigitalNetwork.com and use the promo code HOH and you get a seven-day free trial on us to see if you like it. And if you decide to stay after the seven days, you get an additional $1. fifty off of your membership every month. That's GasDigitalNetwork.com, promo code HOH, and get a seven-day free trial. Let's get back to the show. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the House of Hardcore podcast, Tommy Dreamer.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hardcore podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dreamer, and this week I got a shooter, Bobby Fish.
0: Ah, you know, uh, same shit. Can I say that on you? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> same shit, different day, sir. I like that you
1: popped when I said that you were a shooter. You are. You train MMA stuff. I was just training today. See, I know. I watch your style. Come on now. Yeah. I should all say House of
0: Hardcore OG, because you worked a few of my shows as well. But um, I did, way back when. I, <laughs> I You might have been... I think House of Hardcore might have been my last yes before uh, I went to NXT. Yep. And we'll get to all of that.
1: Um question I ask everybody what got you hooked on
0: the lovely world of professional wrestling. Oh, I thought you were going to say heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, say we'll heroin. get into that Hero too. Heroin got me hooked on. <laughs> um I started watching it with my father for sure. And I, I do remember my first memories of it, you know, and they're, they're kind of vague, especially at this point. Um, but I remember being in traffic going to what I believe was either the Glenfall, Glensfall civic center or the RPI field house. And um, it was my, my dad, my uncle, some of my cousins and Bob Backlund was in a limo stuck in the same line of traffic that we were um I and again I I don't know that that was what hooked me in fact it definitely wasn't but that was like my earliest memory of it I'd say as far as what hooked me was seeing um NWA the, the Crockett years I mean I was a Hulkamaniac and all that stuff but In upstate New York, once TBS and like Turner Broadcasting came on and this was like late 80s, early 90s to see the um, NWA stuff, you know, Dusty and all his glory and that stuff. It was like, whoa, I don't want to say, I don't know. In my adolescent mind, it was, oh, this this shit is real where WWF was a little bit more cartoony at the time. Um, and
1: still real. Hello, what do you, you think we're talking to? Come on now, uh, pardon and, me. And according to some of your opponents, they say you think it's real too.
0: Oh, but <laughs> I'm Um,
1: did you have a specific guy? Me, damn it. Exactly, yes. Did you have a specific guy? Like, who was your guy?
0: I was a big Sting fan. Um, I think Dusty might have been the first guy that like hooked me because it was gritty. He was gritty, and he didn't like I, you know the um, picture was a little smoky, and it was Saturday morning. Saturday mornings, and uh, I don't know they were probably showing a starcade or something. And here's Dusty bleeding buckets on a Saturday morning. And I'm, you know, 13 and I just, uh, I loved it. Yeah.
1: Um, that was my guy. He's my hero. He's the reason I'm in this. Um, when you talk about the difference, the polished and the grainy WWE was that always to me too. Like I would always say like, not that I knew what sports entertainment was. And I was a big fan as well. Big Hulkamaniac, but it was that the NWA, like you said, was real. And it was just like WWE looked like a, a fine television show or a movie as opposed to nwa had that underground real feel to it where they were they were talking the people in at times too it was just two totally different products that i i hate that the fact that there's generations of people that won't get to see that because i feel like everyone tries to follow the norm as and they shouldn't it should just if your team is going one way. If WWE's the the machine, then the other company's got to go the other way. And at times it was going that way, but then at times I feel they're uh, they're back on the same path, which I hate, 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 because it needs to be different. I mean, that's I've done a lot of these. Uh, hell, I've done way too many of these House of Hardcore podcasts where everyone talks about why they got into it, but the, it's always diff- for different reasons why we view professional wrestling and why we love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh- the story for everybody is unique
1: yep I love everybody's journey and and I'm sure I'll find out some different things about you that I didn't know so you you grew up upstate New York Um, how do you then want to pursue because you're around the time too internet is eh how do you become a professional wrestler
0: I got into, uh, I mean, I found it as a career late by wrestling standards. You know, I went to college. I wanted to play football. Um, By the time I got a bachelor's degree in English, and by the time I was done, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that, like, I wasn't going to make a living playing football. Um, I worked out for a couple of arena teams, which I probably still would have had to have a job in the offseason, and I didn't make either team. And I was just kicking around, I was bartending and trying to find, figure out what it was going to be. Um, any attempt at a, a nine to five or something regular just didn't feel right. Um, I was working for a marketing company and that was the first time, like I had really traveled outside of New York state. I happened to be at a FYE. Um, I don't even know if they still have those, um, but I saw the Dynamite Kids autobiography. It caught my eye. And the, uh, the reason was because I was a big Dynamite fan. But when he left WWF, I just thought he stopped wrestling. You know. And like you said, it wasn't the internet age. Like you didn't really. So I was unaware of the career he had in Japan prior. I was unaware of the stuff he did in Canada um, after, et cetera, et cetera. So I read that book. It was right around the same time that um, Tough Enough had come out. So it was a bit more exposed as to, like, okay, how you do this. When I was a kid, you, I had no idea. Right. So um, I knew, like, I had to get trained, blah, blah, blah. Um, I found a guy by the name of Jeff Leibel. Um Long story short, ended up with DeVito, Tony DeVito in that way in Newburgh, New York, um, and and started training with him. And uh, yeah,
1: and well, I totally forgot about DeVito and your connection. And as, yeah. soon as you said it, and then I was like, of course it was Tony in upstate New York.
0: Yeah, yeah. He had that whole little
1: area for a long time, and he, he Tony helped out a lot of guys. You know, he's uh, yeah. another one of those uncredited uh, warriors out there. Uh, He's an him.
0: unsung hero in my world because, like, I, I would call him periodically over the years, and like things that he said to me <laughs> t- that really didn't make sense to me at the time, but I I acted like they did. They made sense to me all these years later, and you know, I, w- I would send I'd call him or or send him a picture of something that I saw, and, and you know, just let him know that you know the the little pearls of wisdom I use some of them still to this day.
1: You have no clue how many times I say, gosh, Johnny Rods was right. Oh, Paul Heyman was right. Oh, Vince was right. Like all these people that helped me (laughs) or like, you know, their philosophies. I'm like, oh my gosh, they were right. I'm wrong. Like still to this day. I love it though. It's like, like you said, you send the guy a picture and stuff. He, uh, He lives down by you, I think now in Florida.
0: He does. We've actually, I moved to Ormond beach, um, like a year ago and we're, uh, I, we did an independent few months back. Um, I, I think we're two exits away from each other. Nice. He's, yeah. We're close.
1: Um, so now you're doing Indies. Uh, what is your first break in the biz?
0: Um, I gotta consider it pro wrestling Noah in Japan. Um, I was probably about five years in, that was the first time that I, you know, made money that was like money, money, you know, right. um, I was only getting paid when I would go over for tours. So it wasn't like I could lose the, the jobs on the side. Um, I think I, I, started substitute teaching at that time because, Noah would contact me and I'd have like a month's notice or whatever that they were bringing me over, but it'd be for, you know, three weeks, sometimes a month. Um, and then I'd come home and I kept losing jobs, but, uh, substitute teaching was something that like you, once you were in the system, you could just, you could black yourself out on the days that you weren't going to be there. So like I could go away for a month, come back. Um, but Noah was definitely, definitely the first break that I I had in the business
1: I like uh, the is it irony where you read a book you don't know about a career about somebody else's in Japan and now yeah. you go and you go to Japan that's why I love wrestling like it's it's such an amazing journey um, yeah yeah to go back to that book which is another really really good book I had broken my back um, and my neck at the same age as dynamite and I remember reading that book when I was hurt. Yeah. Worst book to read because, you know, you see the picture of him in a wheelchair and everything. And it was one of those uh, defining moments for me where I was like, and I'm in the ECW. I was like, I don't know, like, because like, I was facing surgery. Do I want to not have surgery? And I'm just like, ugh. Like, yeah. But that book, uh, a very, very good read for all our wrestling listeners out there. I remember crying reading that book because of the current state of how I was. And I was like, I don't want to be in a wheelchair. Right. So So then after Noah, is Ring of Honor. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, um, I'd I'd say chronologically that that was about it. I had a couple um, like... uh, inwards to ring of honor previous to getting the, you know, to working regularly there that none of them just really, uh, panned out. And that was around the same time that I was working for Noah. Um, and then Noah's business had slowed down quite a bit. Um, pro wrestling for me, I I had both of my daughters at the time. Um, and pro wrestling for me wasn't, it, it just, it, it had kind of, um, plateaued, so I was thinking, you know, maybe I would stop, at least stop pursuing it as much as I was and maybe just take uh, I was I had a an opportunity for a decent job, like 60 grand a year. Um, and I was thinking about, you know doing that and um, just wrestling as a hobby here and there. And uh, Ring of Honor at that time, uh, delirious had taken over. I knew him uh in passing and uh i remember that the weekend that i was going in for them i was like okay well if this pans out then you know maybe uh may- we'll see where it goes and if it doesn't like i think it was a job at target it was a warehouse distribution center and uh that was right near where i lived in saratoga springs new york and i was like yeah i'm, I'm gonna take it you know um but as fate would have it uh things worked out that weekend i think i worked qt marshall in a dark and then did something else and they were going to bring me back for more dates but you know nothing really regular that that started to kind of come together over the next couple months
1: and they said i'll give you 60,001 cent more
0: and (laughs) you said i'm in I think you know I'll be honest I think my first contract with them and I don't want to blow up spots here but I think was 40 grand a year but I was blown away by the fact that like wait a second you mean you can get a wage that pays you you know it's not per appearance that that can happen in pro wrestling like wait a second and that that was the realization of like wow I guess I can maybe make a living doing this.
1: And then you're allowed to also do indies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, if just a total sidebar for what we're talking about, like how you started, how I started, completely different, and that whole thing, like you know, contracts weren't guaranteed when I started. For for you, it was a little uh, different. But if you really do think about, like, there's a new whole new generation of wrestlers that are making money outside like, as a wrestler, but making a living. <laughs> with all the other things that come with it, whether it's Twitch, whether Mm -hmm. um, it's all these t-shirts, cameos, all these things that weren't available to us where I don't think they realize. I mean, you also said you had a family, man, Mm -hmm. and this isn't like you pursuing your dream. You have other people that rely on you for your success and, you know, putting a roof over their head, paying bills, which is a lot of responsibility that, is just like it's so taxing on your brain. Like uh-huh. and I'm I'm gonna give up, which is sort of kind of my dream, but I have to I always say real life gets in the way of our dreams. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. awesome that you're able to to do that and they were able to be there for you. Whether you're driving an old classic or a real piece of junk, the car market is hot. And that's why I want to tell you about RockAuto.com, the one-stop shop for all parts you need to keep your car on the road and in pristine condition. RockAuto.com has been in business for over 20 years. They have every part you need in stock at amazing prices. No reason to run around to different stores, websites, or auto shops. RockAuto has what you need in stock now. And guess what? RockAuto.com prices are always reliably low. That means they do not change prices based on what's going on in the market. This isn't like an airplane ticket, a hotel, or beef at the grocery store. You won't need to constantly check to see if what you need is available and if now is the best time to buy. Rock Auto keeps it simple and has everything in stock at reliably low prices. So go to rockauto.com. They make it easy to maintain your car and save money. It feels good knowing your car is in top condition. Once more, rockauto.com for great prices on auto parts and tell them we sent you. There's a box when you check out to put it in. Our show name, and that's the House of Hardcore podcast. Prices are too good for promo codes, so let's get back to the show. Um, I don't know how long you were there for in Ring of Honor. Was it a while?
0: Um, yeah uh, we we did at least like five years, and then that that was kind of where um, Kyle and I uh, were were put together as a tag team, and then that that's when New Japan had requested to bring us over. Um, and at that time I was still working for Noah as far as I knew, but their, um, tours had slowed way down that, the money was, you know, uh, money wasn't good. So people were doing less tours. And I think I may have done, you know, one or two tours the previous year. Um, so when new Japan came knocking, um, it all worked out. You know, they, they, Noah, I had their blessing and when we started working for new Japan and then things really seemed to really uh, kick off for us once we started working for new Japan and ring of honor,
1: you have a favorite moment in ring of honor.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few like, um, we had a couple matches. I say we because I'm talking about uh, Kyle and the tag team. We 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 had a really man man. I get confused. We we had a few different good ones with the Bucks that really seemed to be such a clash of styles, right? That it just it, it the chemistry was not expected. It but it was just there instantly. So those were really cool. Those are definitely highlights. Um I'll say winning the TV title, I I guess kind of I don't know. Cause I'm not one of those guys, like I mean, I I know what this is. Like somebody wrote you in. You
1: know? Yeah, but you also I I get that, but it's also they wrote you in because they felt like you're you're good at what you do. I think that yeah. that's a big, like you could be, it's different. Like there's, there was wrestlers back in the day that looked the part, but couldn't do it. But then it was like, well, we'll put them with guys who can make them look good as opposed right. to, especially a ring of honor style that you were, yes, you're, no one actually wins a title uh, in wrestling, but it's you're chosen because you can carry
0: that ball in those people's eyes. Um, yeah. So. Well, I th- you know that one sticks out because it was uh, Tomohiro Ishii from New Japan, and like I said, we had started working for New Japan at that time, and and uh, Ishii was you know one of the top guys there. So I had the blessing of New Japan to go over on him, um, and I had you know obviously the the backing from Ring of Honor. They were going to push me in a singles capacity, so. Um, and at that time, we really had a lot of like you know i mean we we had a lot of influence, if not all, influence on what our gimmick was, you know and and our promos and you know like hunter really gave us a lot of a lot of uh run in that way, so we were able to our art was our art, you know
1: nice um so then from there is n x t,
0: yeah.
1: total another sidebar I remember I didn't even work in WWE and Mark Carano called me up about you
0: (laughs) really (laughs)
1: and it was this whole who the fuck is Bobby Fish and I was just like oh Bobby's a great guy I know well he's like well he was booked and then he wasn't booked and now we're signing him and I was like I don't know anything about this but I'll never forget A random call from a good old uh, WWE and who the fuck is Bobby Fish? (laughs) You
0: know, it's not a name you hear every day.
1: (laughs) Shout out to you. The stooge, Mark Carano. Top stooge. So NXT, where I felt some of your best work was done. I love the whole undisputed era. I mean, the black and gold was off the charts. It was what it was. It was a complete brand. It reminded me of ECW in the sense of it was different. It was that raw, that gritty. And you saw all these talents that were flourishing in other places all come together. Um, Did you feel that same way?
0: I did. Um, I I mean, it's, uh, it's a window in my career that I I cherish that time. Um, I feel like uh, we were, you know, I, to, It's kind of surreal to think back to like, you know, finally get signed there, whatever. And at certain points along the way, I definitely resigned myself to like, yeah, you know, my career is going to be in Japan. It's going to be here. But, you know, WWE was not going to be in the cards.
1: How old were you, you think? If you remember? When I signed? Um,
0: uh, One. Wow. That's awesome. So if somebody had told me, um, I don't say this to many people. I'll say this to you, Tom, your special one. Um, like on the come up, because I think you can relate. Like if you were not six foot and you were North of 30 years old, you know, WWE really wasn't in your cards and, and, right. it, and it changed over the years. But like, if somebody had said to me all the way back then, you know, like, you're going to get there and you're going to make what you're going to make and blah, 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 but it's not going to happen until you're 41. I'd have been like, you're smoking crack. Right. Like that, please, because it's not funny.
1: That's um, a, the Triple H regime, mm. where and that's why I said it was based upon your talent and your ability that got you there. And that whole journey, though you said you started late, but I mean you're really good in the ring, and that whole group clicked, and you made a name for yourself. And it's, it's all about the journey, right? And 50%. I feel that's a trip. That's the Triple H regime. Whoever helped you get in there. Mm your work backed up what you did and Mm -hmm. that's uh and that again that that whole you guys reminded me of of a a shooter version of dx you know Mm -hmm. what you guys did and that faction was so key in the development for that brand especially Mm -hmm. um the the you know black and gold brand
0: to be honest when when we were making our way in um and hunter asked us you know what we would pick for ourselves as a as a gimmick and kyle and i thought we would tag and but we had no real thoughts about um a group so when they had first presented the idea and at that time it was just the three of us it was kyle myself um and roddy was already there but had his own thing established um it was kind of like okay what you know what's when's the other shoe gonna drop like this is a rib um but it was their idea to put us together. And I truly like through that time, the four of them or the three of them are three of my legit best friends in the business. So work was, it was I can't even, I won't even call it work. Yeah. It was so much frigging fun. And, and there were numerous times that we would sit in the locker room and look at each other and be like, we get paid for this. This is a, it's, it, it's a, you know, mind fuck. This is crazy.
1: There's a famous book that was turned into a movie, The Rookie, and it's the oldest rookie. Um, the guy who, uh, I think Dennis Quaid played it, but he's uh, he finally makes it to the majors. I mm-hmm. think he was 40 when he gets finally signed and, pitches for the the tampa rays he was out of baseball you never left this but it's it's fascinating because i didn't know you you look really really young still um you got a a good physique you got some good fish genetics and uh (laughs) that fish oil
0: works everyone talks about (laughs) the italian oh that olive oil or something i don't know
1: again and i'll keep saying it that group was so over and and it was Four guys you were over like in like the four horsemen. Individually everybody's over, as tags, everybody's over. And it was such a key core group for a brand that everybody loved. And I mean, now you're wrestling in front of like I loved when, you know, even though they were running up against pay-per-views, you know, with WWE, but I mean packed houses everywhere, Brooklyn, you know, Toronto. It's it's insane to think like back-to-back sellouts like you know for these shows it's it was such a cool cool time uh of course everything comes to an end um yeah especially I think COVID w- was a big factor with with a lot of that as mm-hmm. well um you got a favorite nxt moment
0: Ooh, a few um I, I would probably say the the second war games For whatever reason, all four of them were special um, to think that knowing um, what a fan Hunter was of the NWA, you know, the the stuff I talked about before. So he had to be a fan of the war games and and knowing that like in in this generation's rendition of the war games, we were almost his horsemen, another surreal realization that I I've come to um, and the you know those four we were kind of synonymous with them. Um, the second one, I don't know, I feel like we kind of had our bearings a little bit and we were able to get real creative with that one. I really love this the second war games. Um, and then there's an, another match. I believe it's takeover Philadelphia. it was me and Kyle. we opened up the show against AOP. That one's pretty special to me. Um, you know, Paul Ellering was was ringside for them, right. and they were basically LOD, and we got to be Arnon Tully. Like, I mean, yeah. talk just playing the role, and you know, it was like being a kid and and playing. <laughs> like I didn't I almost didn't feel like it was me.
1: I love it. Um yeah. it is, it's surreal, and you I, I love the fact that you're realizing that you're having these moments in the moment because a lot of people don't like I'm one of them. I never, I never really enjoyed ECW until it was gone because then, but then I missed it. Like it was the girlfriend that broke up with me because it wasn't there anymore. And, uh, but I'm cool that you're very cool. that You're able to have those moments. I didn't start having those moments because they were so far (laughs) few between for me and WWE is why I really, really appreciate them. Like, crowds good matches like length of matches but sure. and you did you carried a, you, your your group carried a brand um now your time is up in nxt you go to aew um yeah. a nice a nice little run uh you're yeah. there about a year yeah yep the buzz that when that whole group and it was a lot of speculation again it's also covid there's injuries there's there's a lot of things that um Kind of, sort of, I feel, go south uh, with that. But there was a lot of, again, moments, but it wasn't what it was. And it was like, it was rumblings like of like, everyone wanted to see how, because that group was so prominent in, you know, NXT, would it happen in AEW? And I just, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Do you, uh you got a favorite thing happening in AEW
0: or... Um, I mean, I really, you know, because it was one of the first times in a long time, and especially on national TV, that I can remember um having a, a good lengthy match with a, a quality opponent. This one was a, a young opponent, but who just gets it, in my opinion. Um, uh, but Darby Allen, the the match that I had with him, I think it was one of my last ones with AEW, um you you know yourself when you talk about things before you kind of get an idea um, how things are going to go and uh, it was a good feeling from from the jump and we went out and uh, yeah it was give and take and it was fun and it was uh, it was everything wrestling was supposed to be you know and it was everything wrestling was for me numerous times formerly and and I really I really enjoyed it I, I had no idea that that was you know kind of my last. One there um but i you know that wouldn't have made any any difference or whatever i I don't have a moment there as much because you know like you said the rumblings there were you know once kyle came in it was like oh shit we're gonna get red dragon in the bucks and i still feel like money was left on the table um from a team standpoint you know there there was the Bucks, FTR, us, some of these new teams, um, the Gun, uh, the the huh. Sun Billy, and blah blah blah. Like you really had a, a good, interesting mix of tag teams, and I'm you know it's easy to play armchair quarterback here and, and book the territory, right? But I was just thinking, okay, we got to do a Crockett Cup type pay per view where it's just all tags. Um, never happens that like, you know, that sucks. Um, and then for us to, I mean, Matt and Nick, you know, we really never got another, uh, match with them. We did some, I think it was a triple threat tag, but yeah, I mean, some of that stuff I, I have little regrets for, um, which if they did happen, potentially could have, you know, replaced, but um I, you know, work oh and shit, how could I forget this one? Sting. Getting to work with Sting. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Like 14-year-old me. Again, another one of those moments that would have been like, you're out of your friggin' mind. Like when I went to the Altamont Fair, I was 13 years old and they were doing the airbrush shirts. I had his sports uh, or his uh wrestling illustrated cover um airbrushed onto a T. <laughs> And the year before, I had it done for Brian Bosworth. And then here I am in the AEW locker room after Sting came up and complimented me about my work. Um, we had a conversation where I retold him that story. And then he's talking to me about you know, the interaction between him and Brian Bosworth. Like, whose fucking life is this? Yeah.
1: Dude, first of all, I never met Sting until I went to TNA. And when I started getting in the business, Dusty's my hero. But when I got in the business, you know, you think you're smart, how your gimmicks be, I wanted to be a cross between Sting and Muda because I was the yeah, biggest yeah. Sting mark. I don't ever meet him until uh, TNA. And I'm in my one shot. I'm in a battle royal. And I swear to you, all my <laughs> vision, tunnel vision for Sting. And I come in there and I just jump on him and I go, <laughs> give me the Sting comeback. And he's like, What? And I start doing his stuff to him, and I'm like, Until he's taken it, I'm gonna keep doing my best version of Sting. And when Sting lit me up with his Sting punches, you know, the punch yeah. left, right, I was in pure Mark Kevin, and I was in you know yeah. 20 plus years. I love Sting and yeah. the, the business that he's doing at, at his age. I'm 51, he's 62, and yeah. just I love it. I do, and he doesn't need the money, he does it because he loves. This industry. And yeah, uh, I love that you were able to have that moment too. Cause I say this to everybody like, uh, it, it, you're a football guy. Who is your favorite football player? You have one?
0: Brian Bosworth. Awesome. He <laughs> was right.
1: Bosworth, he can never try to sack Russell Wilson, who's currently playing today. But in mm. our world, he can. Right. You can yep. fight Sting. Uh, yeah. Total other sidebar, which wrestling fans could go and look. Go and you'll pop for this because you know the guy. Mm. Halloween Havoc in Philadelphia. I don't know the year, but look it up and you will see a fan dressed as Sting, hard camera, doing Sting stuff. That fan is the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Beating his chest oh, no. all throughout the show in full face paint, <laughs> blonde hair. Oh, it's great. That's Shout out girl. to you, Hack.
0: At the end of the day. I'm- we're- I'm-
1: And that's how we all should be. Um, I'm going to end it on that. Oh, no, I don't want to end it on that. Um, Here's It's funny. You came to Impact recently. um, You showed a lot of personality on the microphone, and that's kind of how I know you. And a lot of the talent know you as that as well. But fans in the ring, I think, know you as, like, this straight shooter type of, like, fighter as opposed to, like, Man, Like when you walked into the the locker room, all the Ring of Honor guys started doing like galloping noises on your leg on their legs and like gave you this nice (laughs) intro. And like you have a unique personality, which I always saw. And, you know, you and I always got along great, but it's just I think it's the different side of what people perceive as opposed to what people, you know, really know the
0: character as opposed to the person. My theory on it is this, is the highest profile stuff you do is under the WWE umbrella. And um, on my way to getting there, like in Ring of Honor and whatever, where we had, you know, kind of influence, um, I created this character and I talked a lot and I I never stopped running my mouth. And a lot of times when Kyle and I tag together now, you'll hear me at ringside. I just talk shit the whole time because that's my comfort zone. My father was a ball buster. He was sarcastic as hell, and and he comes out of me whether I want him to or I don't. When uh, I was in NXT, within a couple months of doing promos as the group, um, I was kind of iggy that, like, hey, Adams, you know the 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 piece that's going to do the talking, um, and then Heyman actually came in and and uh, had just talk to us about some stuff. And one of the things he mentioned was like, you know, you have a a role and and you guys are great in this group and you're great individually. And the key is going to be bringing out those, like highlighting the differences between each of you. And so I'm looking at that going, all right, well, if Adam's kind of the mouthpiece, I know I can talk. Like I know I can blow, but like, why am I going to compete with that? When I can be something else and Kyle can be something else. And then eventually Roddy came in. And so like I was playing my role and my role wasn't, you know, okay. So I'm in top gun. I'm not, well, no, Tom Cruise isn't Maverick. I'm Maverick. Like, no, you're paying. You're the one signing my check. Like I'll, I'll get, I'll be the best of what you want from me that I can give you. So I kind of parked a lot of that stuff and I, and I did, I purposely was quiet and added color here and there. Um, and then I, I think because fans, new fans, you know, the, the turnovers there, they, they saw a guy doing this version and they weren't, um, privy to the stuff that came before that. And the fact that I can talk and I don't get tongue tied. And I mean, for crying out loud, I was an English major, you know, um, it's not saying I'm smarter than anybody else by any stretch. Christ, I'm definitely dumber. Like I'm dumber than my wife for sure. <laughs> he corrects me all day long, but um, it just yeah, I, I think that that's what happened, and and then people forgot that. Oh, he can talk.
1: Uh, you you showed so much personality, and I love that. In fact, like when you were out there, you smiled. You you look like. Um, an old school lounge host that was out there to like welcome the crowd warm everybody up and like hey by the way you're gonna see this but like you had that (laughs) comfortability and you already said it because I hadn't seen you like man it's been so long that I've actually had this in my hand to do this because like you were known as this and I did I love the whole segment and, and you know now that you're uh, in Impact Wrestling, it's going to be you know in your hometown. So I look forward to uh, some cool things happening for you, as well as the other stuff to say in this business, as you can very much your walking testament, never say never about opportunities or matches that can happen because uh, in some places in universes, they can. And I, and I do love that. How can uh, fans find you on socials?
0: Uh, on socials, the Bobby Fish on Instagram and Twitter, same handle. Um, the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. Uh, we've been dropping them on Wednesday mornings, uh, sometimes afternoon, depending on the edit. Uh, but those uh, Pro Wrestling T Store, we are actually dropping Wednesday the first podcast t shirt uh design has been approved and we're gonna put it out there um probably start filtering some stuff um you know involving the podcast to my pro wrestling tea store for a while until we figure out you know where else we're going well that's awesome well
1: um look forward to seeing you this weekend and thanks for uh, being a guest on this week's episode
0: of the house of hardcore podcast you thank you sir